I tend to do a lot of guidelines and a lot of design systems. What's up branding experts, Arek here at Evex Design and in this episode I interview Rob Blaisford and we talk about style guides and identity systems. I visited your website and, and I found it very interesting because this is actually a part of what I do but you specialize so you're focused on building identity systems and style guides specifically, right? And you also mentioned that you really enjoy uh, designing for airlines and that would be your uh, wow. dream next project. Yeah, look, I, 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 I'm actually didn't study graphic design. I studied media and communications and I used to work in publications for a long, long time and I had a career as a DJ for a long, long time. But I fell into design and even though I've been designing stuff all my life and building, you know, typefaces, well, you know, little ones with pencil and stuff, um, I ended up working for a supermarket chain called Tesco here. And I thought I was just going to be doing, you know, some changing some numbers, some artworking. And they said, can you rebuild our style guide? And I said, absolutely. And it was for, um, not for their design, not for their print design and their brand design. It was actually for their property design for how signage and, you know, typography oh, is used in store. And it, it took two years and I completely rebuilt it with the, with the help of two other designers. But it took two years and I realized at the end of it that I'd really enjoyed it because it was about creating order where there was just chaos before. And um, I've been, I've collected a lot of stuff in my life. I've collected, you know, lots of records, obviously, and I used to read the Letraset book just for fun when I was a kid, and I've collected, you know, luggage tags, and I really liked Monopoly, because they're all things that are the same, but different, and they're differentiated by colour. So, it was, I, that was the point at which I really loved kind of organising things, and being able to organise a style guide with, you know, with... <laughs> a couple of thousand different pieces in it into different chapters, which I can color code just made me, you know, it was, it was so, it was like I'd achieved something and it's nice to design stuff, but to be able to make something work, not only, to, not only to design something that, to make it beautiful, but to design something to make it work is one of the most satisfying things I've ever done. So, I realized that at that point that I really liked doing style guides. And so for the last 10 years or 12 years, I've, I've done a lot of design and I, uh, quite often I'll end up working on the design of the whole project uh, from the start or the middle, but I most of the time end up doing the guidelines as well. Um, so I've done a lot of things like uh, Gucci, Time for Change, Dubai Parks, um, what else have I done? La Trobe University in Melbourne quite yeah. recently. Uh, lots of stuff for my friends and family. HSBC staff channels. Uh, Britain is great, the international trade campaign that's been going here for a few years. And what else have I done? Uh, speed, <laughs> I've done Speedway, the guidelines for Speedway and some TV programs and Samsung and Carlton United Breweries and a couple of HSBCs. Yeah, I saw those projects on your portfolio. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. and a couple for Booper as well. So I've done a lot of different stuff and, and doing all that stuff for so long, you learn what works and you learn what doesn't work and you learn that some people want, 
you know, guidelines that are five pages long. For example, there's a TV channel here called Film 4. And I didn't do these guidelines, but they're literally three pages long. On the other hand, I did some for Allions, which were with with a couple of other people, and they ended up being, you know, five chapters of 150 pages each because the the, the rebrand they were doing was so big that it was taking two or three years to implement. Wow. Um, and so, you know... We ended up, you know, we ended up just re- rebuilding everything from scratch, and then a couple of years later, they changed it. They changed slightly again, which is what the, you know, which is to be expected. So the thing I learnt most of all about design systems and brand guidelines is that it's not just the colours and fonts and images. It's also things like the page furniture, you know, the lines and the arrows and stuff like that and really crucial things like a build order so being able to being able to get you or being able to get the art worker who's next along the line to be able to get from a blank page to a finished advert in like 15 very short steps and um when i was working on britney's great there was you know something like 20 pages to build an advert and i just read I rebuilt the system by reverse engineering an advert and then I got it down to 15 short sentences and and just said, all right, this is how we're going to do it and and did it with math. So it was able to, you're able to build an advert in like five or 10 minutes. And that's one of the things I always try to do because invariably it's the art workers in the artworking department and the designers who get the grief for not being able to finish all their work for the day because they've got 45 adverts to do. And I've been in that position, so I know how crappy it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would you say like, to people who don't really have a like, strong understanding of what Style Guide actually is? Uh, I assume that most of people who listen to this podcast at least have some kind of idea that Style Guides is uh, a document that basically... Uh, consists of all the rules, uh, primary, secondary typography, primary, secondary color palettes, how to use logo, how to don't use that logo, and different lockups of, and versions of the logo with uh, taglines without, uh, yeah. also uh, in color and black and white and so yeah, on. And it's, and it's diff- and all different versions of the logo. You might have a RGB for screens, a CMYK for print. Yes a black, a white, a reverse, there's just, you know, and, and, and every single brand is different. And increasingly because there is so much digital work and a lot of the the design systems are just, you know, documents in sketch. Where the, I'm glad you say that because you also mentioned that some guide, some uh, style guides would just be like a few pages and yeah. you've also done projects that are very, very uh, comprehensive and, and, and Yep, and they absolutely. consist of few chapters of 150 pages each, right? So well, yeah, but the thing about it is, if you've yes, got a, if you're a, yeah. a company that starts off with an app, you know, when you start your when you start your design for that app, all you've got is your app and maybe a business card. So all you need to do is have all that stuff in Sketch and the, as modules. And the, in the you know, there's a principle of atomic design. Do you know about that? Oh, I, I read about that, yes. Yeah. So uh, a, yeah. a small piece and another small piece become, you know, an atom. 
or you know, two of those become a molecule and you know you just put the things big, together bigger and bigger and so you can do that in sketch so you can just build all this stuff and just leave it there and just plonk it in whenever you like so yeah. and that's great but the, at the same time not everything is digital there are still companies that have cars that need livery on the side and there are still exhibitions that people go to and there's still print and there's still out of house so sometimes you will only need you know the sketch file and maybe a business card and other times you will you know need endless amounts of you know email mail outs and uh everything you know they need to be able to be able to cope with everything and if you look at something like the classic one for this in from the 70s is the nasa guidelines when they updated to the you know very very 70s red logo and the guidelines that they did were just huge but they catered for everything and so that you knew whenever you saw a nasa truck or the someone's overalls or you know a poster somewhere or the outside of a building that it would feel the same and that's what it comes down to it's not things don't necessarily even have to look the same they just have to feel the same so you might have you know somebody with yellow overalls and you might have a car with you know yellow type on it they don't have to be the same color as long as they feel the same yeah yeah but the, but the, um, like the, the main thing about a design system is you know, the, the, initially, obviously, you want your brand to be recognised. And after that, you want it to be consistent. And if you have your brand being consistent, not only in your own territory, but in territories around the world, it means you are able to engender trust in your brand. So, for example, and the great example of this, of course, is McDonald's. Because you know that if you get a Big Mac in New York, it's going to be the same as a Big Mac in Berlin and or Durban or... You know, Wagadougou. Yes. All the Big Macs are going to taste the same and feel the same. Yeah, so, so that's consistency. So, so you say that basically a style guide uh, allows you to bring consistency. Yeah. And would you say it's it's uh, so? Uh, let's say uh, I have a startup. Uh, do you think I should develop style guides? Oh, it's funny you should mention that because I'm doing one tonight after we finish talking. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's because at the moment, this, this job that I'm working on at the moment, I've just done the colours and the typography for an app. But that's all there is at the moment. But they, you know, they'll be expanding you know, possibly exponentially in the next couple of months. And they're going to need that stuff. And Okay, so step by step, right? So you just... Leave yeah. the doors open, and you define some of the things that are necessary at this at this uh, point uh, for that makes sense for the applications that uh, are need to be designed as of now. And then you leave the doors open to you know add more and more. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you might end up with five pages, and then ten ten months later you might end up with a hundred pages. But they also need to be guidelines. Also need to be you need to be able to extrapolate them. So, and that's why it's really good to have one central person building them or writing them. And you need to definitely have a, a central approvals kind of uh, hub for the first section at least. I mean that um, if, you've got a, if you've got your brand and suddenly you are having to have, if, you're, if I'm based in London and I need to get someone in China or 
Los Angeles to build something, if I don't have the guidelines being strong and flexible to allow for different territories, it just means that um, it just means that the design mutates in different ways. So you might have someone in Beijing doing a poster for you that doesn't have much white space because the Chinese design doesn't have much white space. And in America, it might be completely different. And then again, if you go to the Middle East, the layout's going to be on the other side of the page. So oh, yeah. all this stuff needs to have someone ideally to rein it in, to just say, look, that's great, but you need to change it so it looks a bit more like that. And, and I've seen examples the, of guidelines I've sent out and a month later I get work back and it just looks completely different because I'm, you know, I know that what I do, I love doing it, but I know nobody reads them. And, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, that's okay. So you said that uh, it doesn't happen because, you know, if there, if there is the, the document, why do people don't follow the rules that you already set the rules uh, so do you think that it happens often or is just, you know, some some people just overlook uh, and, and they don't really... No, it happens all the time. It's a waste of time and they, they just... Or they perhaps want to have, like, more creative freedom. What do you think? Like, what's the reason? I think it definitely every designer has an ego and we get put into jobs and people say, oh, look, just do some design. And you go, I'm going to make it look like this because this looks great. I love it. And then someone will say, yeah, that's great, but it's not on brand. And I'm usually the yeah. person who says, that's great, but it's not on brand. Now, yes. It's your subjective opinion, right? It's what oh, yeah. you like, the color that you like is not, about, uh, as a, is not about the consistency as a whole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, there's, and it's often the case that you just think, oh, the, that designer's done a, a great job. I'm going to see if I can accommodate what they've done in the system or, you know, make it an option to use that color and just modify. And if something looks really good and it looks on brand, you should be able to, you know, incorporate it into what you're doing. But um, ultimately, it, I mean, it happens all, it doesn't happen 100% of the time by any means, but people obviously want to put their stamp on everything and, and that's okay. Everybody does it. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, make me a chocolate cake. Everybody's going to come up with a different, slightly different chocolate cake, even if they follow the recipe as closely as they can. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember I was working on a project for British Gas, and, uh, you know, you were from UK, so it just crossed my mind. Mm. And I remember the style guys were, were it was such a great job. Uh, I, I, I don't know who designed, who developed the style guides, but... I had to follow them to design a, a website, a mm -hmm. landing page, and it was such a great job. So it was so easy and uh, very, very comprehensive, very on point, you know, with all the specifications you can imagine, you know, uh, starting with the colors and, and all the different lockups of, of the logos. Yeah. And even I'm the same. I'm happy and, to follow someone's guides if they're great and if it looks great. And you're yeah. obviously the same too. But, the, you know, some people will go off paste. And that's just to be expected because if you don't ever let the design change and it's no organic change about it, it just ends up looking the same. Everything look, ends up looking the same all over the world. And while you do want, a, you know, consistency, you don't necessarily yeah. have to have 
everything looking the same because otherwise it just it's boring. Yeah. You, you just don't want to blend in. You, you want to stand out, right? So yeah, of you want to have something that differentiates you. And there are many way, ways you can do that. You can do that through the use of color, shape, uh, you know, other like uh, uh, super images. graphics. Yes, image, the way you crop the images, you know, the maybe black and white. Uh, and also down to the way that, you know, people experience the, the, the poster. I mean, it's, or, I mean, obviously UX is such a huge field now. And one of the main ways that we start to appreciate a brand is if on a website or on an app, you know, if it's easy for us to use and we can just go, yep, that's done. I've now done my banking. It was really easy. I didn't get lost. And at the same time, it's um, you can do, you know, say, for example, you've got a poster at, like, one of those digital posters in an airport. You know that you're going to have a walk past of maybe people are going to see it for five seconds. So you don't, you can't really have too much on it. If you've got oh, a, yeah. the same advert in a, in a magazine, that you like a monthly, you might be able to flick through that a couple of times and you might be able to, go, oh, yeah, I'll read these 50 words. And at the same time, if you're driving along the freeway and there's a massive billboard on a bridge above you, you can't have more than about five, four or five words because you can't, you know, you can't crash. Yeah, so, that is, I'm glad you said that because I, I just remembered that, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of my career as, as a junior designer, actually, yeah, yeah, one of uh, my first... Uh, design firms I worked with, there was a designer who just wanted to, she thought that she's so great and she didn't want to educate the client and the client had a lot of ideas what to put on the billboard, right? This massive yep. billboard that we only see for basically like two or three seconds. And, and she wanted to put all that information that the client asked us to do. And, you know, so... I, I, I design a, so I designed totally different concept, you know, uh, just extracted the most important things. Uh, so you can actually just get the, the essence of, uh, what they want to communicate. Yeah. And well, she was like, Hey, you cannot do that. The, the client is, is the, what the client says we have to do that. We have to put all the information and the phone numbers and all of the, all, all the small little texts that yeah, nobody's going to no. ever, ever read. So yeah, no. Nah. No, that <laughs> no. I mean it's you know even in the last you know in the last ten years, but we've we've learned not to put www on something because it doesn't matter anymore. We just need to put you know arc com, and in the same way that you know um, there used to be that whole you know search through aim or keywords and all this kind of crap, and nobody cares. And even down to the point where. Um, so, for example, I wouldn't even want to put a, a URL on an advert anymore if it was a print advert or a, or a, a digital or anything, really, because it doesn't matter. Because if you are using voice command or if you're you know, using Google, you don't go, oh, I'm going to type this whole thing out. You say, I'm going to search for, you just type Arik in yeah. or, you know, paint. You're going to search for the brand name, right? Yeah, and it'll come up with it. You go click, you're done. Nobody needs to be overloaded in information. And since, you know, since the digital world came along and we have websites and we have barcodes and we have QR codes and we have, uh, you know, every legal stuff on the side and all that kind of stuff, an advert has gone from being, here's a great product, here's a picture of it, 
and this is the name of it, to becoming really super overloaded. And it's only when you get something like a, um, not a, a direct selling advert, but a, 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 what's it called? A brand awareness advert that it might just say Qantas and it'll have a lovely plane flying off into the distance with a lovely picture and you go, oh, that makes me feel nice. I want to get on a plane. Yeah. You know, so the, the, it's often now with the ease of UX and the ease of being able to look up stuff that you don't need, really need any information at all. If you see that brand and that brand image that you recognise and the brand colours and all that kind of stuff, you basically can just have a logo or a logo and the name of the company and your image. And it doesn't really matter because, uh, you know, it's very, it's really uncommon to have, unless you're reading a newspaper or a magazine, you don't really get adverts with lots of information in them. Your adverts are there and, and those kind of external out-of-house things are just basically to build awareness. It's only when you get down to, you know, using a website or using a screen or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that you need the further information. Yeah. So let's talk okay. about the... Less is, less is more. Less is more. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I also, I also uh, always go for, you know, what will work for the client mm. and for the simplicity and effectiveness. of the, Design is about solving problems and design is about uh, effectiveness. It's not about decorations and elaborate details, at least to me. Um, oh, no, I, mean, I don't think, I think everybody, I think we're, as things get more, easy to use and we become more sophisticated at using technology. We don't, you know, we just want things to be simple and not intrusive. Yes, and easy to use. And, and we can see this shift uh, recently. Um, um, we can see some of the rebrands and, you know, big companies, uh, they go for very uh, minimalist design. So what would you think, like, what is the, I know, I know that you really enjoy uh, also designing identity systems. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, like, uh, is the best example of recent rebrand, if anything comes to your mind? Uh, okay, there's two that I really like, and the first one is uh, English food shop chain called Co-op, and Co-op used to be huge in the 60s and 70s. It had this really distinctive kind of cyan and white identity. And yeah. it, in the 80s, everything got kind of got taken apart and it became Budgeons and it became the cooperative food. And, you know, it had about five different names. And last year, they put it all back together. And what there was a... I think the company who did the rebrand was called North. And they did the most beautiful job. And it's, it's basically an update of the original, but updated so it's able to be used not just in print and not just on shopping bags. So it's everywhere. And, it, and, the, and because it has such a resonance for, I mean, I'm not English, but um, I grew up, I was, lived in England for a bit when I was a kid. And I really remember that brand but as soon as as soon as the cult brought out the the new version of this same brand everybody i know just went oh, i remember that and all my graphic designer friends went oh, i love that logo and it's just the the great thing about it is it's really really simple and it just it's c-o-o-p in a square but you know top left top right bottom left bottom right and it's beautiful 
Um, the other favourite one that I really like um, from a few years ago is done by Future Brand in London. I think it's London Future Brand. And they did the branding for Fiji Air, which had been Air Pacific, but they did it, they renewed the brand by name and they refreshed the look, obviously. And the look is based on patterns that are used, traditional patterns that are used in uh, fabrics in Fiji. And so they've, they chose about five, you know, five or six, five, ten of these patterns and they made one of the, the roundels of one of the main patterns, the main image that goes on the tailplane. And they use this kind of really weird kind of red chocolate brown colour and then all the patterns that go around the edges are also part of these patterns. So you've got this, you know, incredibly high-tech planes and at the same time you've got these beautiful hand-done patterns that are just you know, they've been enlarged massively. And it really works beautifully because there is the, the feel of, you know, while they're a very modern airline, there's a there's a very strong tie to, to the tradition. And if you look at most airline branding, it's all about the, the speed or the elongated bird or the lines that go across yes. along the plane. It's all about getting there and it's all about, you know, speed and technology. Whereas this is just kind of, yep, we're, you know, we want to make you feel at home. And it, and it, it goes into the, obviously goes into the inside of the, the plane. So you've got this beautiful plane greys, but you've also got these patterns all over the cushions and all over the headrests. It's, it's just, it's so beautifully done. I'm gutted I didn't get to work on it. I'm just gutted. Because <laughs> it's, it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I have, you know, and I've, airline branding is my favourite favorite yes. kind of on it. Really like that. Oh, yeah, and, and I think Lufthansa recently uh, changed the logo a little bit and, and improved some of the yeah. uh, identity system. Yeah, I was going to talk about that as well. I mean, I've always, I don't know about you, but Lufthansa has always been a huge presence in my mind since I was a kid because I've flown Lufthansa a few times when I was ill throughout my life. And the guy who did the 1972 version of the rebrand is Otal Acker, who did the, you will know from doing the Munich Olympics design system. Yeah, he's a well-known designer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he introduced Helvetica, the original cut of Helvetica, as Lufthansa's typeface and took everything, really amplified that kind of beautiful sunflower yellow and that beautiful deep blue. So, and that was everywhere. And I think that really worked because they're, you know, they, they, in airports, every, you know, the staff became visible. Everything's super visible full of Tansa. And because they have that beautiful, you know, German design, it's really technical, it's plain, it's honest, everything goes in the right place. No, it doesn't dick around. And when I saw that the rebrand that they did last year, and I know that they made the the roundel on the tailplane thinner, and they changed slightly the the bird, and that's okay, and they changed the blue, but they also got rid of the yellow completely. And I think that really they, I mean, look, I'm not a millionaire, I don't own the airline, but it's I I looked at that and just went, why have they done that? Because they've just kind of blended it out. You know, on the one hand, you have uh, logos 
you know, some of the most famous logos in the world, Coca-Cola, it's just yeah. red. Or, you know, um, National Geographic, it's just yellow, although they do have that kind of beautiful green oblong. But so many of the brands in the world, we just know by their colours. I mean, look at what MasterCard um, has done this week. They've got rid of their word, so now it's just the two overlaid circles, which yeah. is great because anybody who's got a MasterCard already knows what that looks like, and anybody who doesn't have a MasterCard doesn't need to know. Yeah, so it's not necessary to have yeah. the name... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and you can do a lot of other things like that. You can just take the, you know, the IBM I or the Golden Arches or, you know, the Dynamic Wave from Coca-Cola, and you know what it is. But yes. I, and so while I think what Lufthansa have done is kind of interesting and a bit of a shame, and I think it looks like super clean and everything, but it just looks, it just feels like it's lost a bit of soul. And I'm, you know, I'm just a bit sad about it. But you know, no one's going to die. <laughs> yeah, so. and and uh, how? So, what would you say? What are the like? What are the tips you would give uh, to someone to uh, help them understand? Uh, you know how to go about building style guides, or maybe what to pay attention to uh, when working on style guides. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I would say you need to be aware of the style uh, of the of the stuff that's around you, and I think that um, probably like me, you, and probably everybody else in the world has noticed things like I really noticed transport system stuff, obviously. So I think the London Underground branding is amazing. I think the New York Subway branding is amazing, and because we're around that stuff all the time, you get to see. You will know from being on the subway or the tube that you you go, oh, that's how the signs work. That's how the little stickers near the door that say don't stand in the door work. That's how the exit signs work. This is how the big roundel outside where it shows you where the station is from 400 feet, you know, or 400 metres. Yeah. All those little things go towards being part of a design system. And so I always, I've been noticing that, stuff since I was a kid, as most designers have. So I noticed things like, you know, the Blue Note records, which all look the same, or Gigi or Monopoly is a really good one because all those cards look the same. So everything that's part of it, you kind of go, oh, you understand how this fits together. So first of all, I would say have as many of the assets that you're working on stuck up on a wall because if you've got, you know, a web, a web page and a splash page from an app and fonts and colours and all that kind of stuff stuck on the wall. If you do this enough, you will eventually go, oh, yeah, that doesn't fit, but I can fix that by doing this. So just I would say get as much of the, get as much of the, the assets as you can and, get, and bring in people to, to look at it. I mean, it, it, if you're working with a team, you, you get to see that stuff so often that you don't, you stop seeing it. So it's only when you bring in someone who's not working on the project and you go, point at something that works, point at something that doesn't work. So do you have a specific uh, process, like a framework? Uh, like let's say there is a, let's say there is a company with, um, they have a logo and they already, it's an existing company, they're already making money, so they build some equity around their logo. Mm -hmm. So you would just, you they wouldn't like to actually change the logo, maybe some evolution, but uh, what they really need is, on a, is, a, is a style guide 
and to build an identity system. Uh, so yeah. what, like, what is the process like? Do you have like step-by-step -step process uh, to go through to to get to uh, to that uh, to get yeah. down to work? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have a which I've built up over the last. 12 years, I've got a master contents list, which is three A3 pages huge. And it goes from everything from introductions to strategy to brand purpose, all that kind of stuff. Then you have you, uh, then I usually do the, the brand elements and then I usually do how they work. And then I usually do, here's a, here's a page of examples. So what I usually do is I will get pre this thing out and say to the client tick off what you want because you know oftentimes they won't have strategy to put in there and nobody reads that stuff anyway so but they'll often just want you know they'll the elements of the brand and then how these pieces of the brand uh, are used and then as part of that this is how it all comes together so you might you know you might have just had to flick through how the type works which way it goes sideways, upways, whatever, what colours you can use, what colours you can use with that colour. And then you'll have a few pages of, and all right, let's put something together to show you. So you just do a, a build guide, for example. And then at the end, I will just have pages and pages of, you know, here's all the adverts, here's all the modules for the websites, here's, here's all the pieces. So by the end of it, even if you just flick through, and you might be flicking through five pages, you might be flicking through 100, Anybody who flick, even flicks through all that stuff can go and go, I get it. I totally get it. So, yeah, just have as much stuff as you can. Uh, and then, yeah, I start off with, I start off with um, a massive table of contents. So one of the things that, um, like I said before, one of the things I don't like to put in is those strategy charts that say nothing. You know, they're always... PowerPoint stuff and they never look like what you're designing and nobody reads them and they don't mean anything. What do you mean by strategy? Is it just a business strategy or is it yeah. a brand strategy? Is yeah. it a well, it, questions that you ask? Uh, no, no, it's, no, this is stuff that you get from, uh, and I'm not saying it's all terrible by any means, but it's stuff that you get from the account managers or the account directors and they say the client says we have to put this in and it's some, uh, you know, completely impossible to read, doesn't make sense unless you've actually built the thing chart that will say, you know, from now until 2030, we're going to try and maximise and engage and, you know, all those buzzwords. And it just There's mission and vision, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like positioning statements and so on. Yeah, right? all that stuff. That and at the same time, all you need is, you know, our brand purpose is, you know, to provide a great product ethically to as many people as we can and that's all you need to do is summarize you know summarize that what i also try to avoid is putting things like um three words that describe our brand are because one of them is always honest and i just say to them yeah but you're meant to be honest don't tell people you're being honest <laughs> so so um yeah uh, the the main thing though is like less is more so when i'm writing guidelines i try and be as brief as i possibly can because nobody's i'm I f you know sometimes i feel like a, a, an unread author because i end up writing you know lots and lots of pages of copy and nobody reads it 
that's okay. That's just, you know, just part of the thing. So you, I tend to write really short sentences that are just really plainly written and they say what, you know, it says what it does. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. There you go. Uh, also, I don't, I tend not to do those um, don't pages. So, you know, well, someone will have, this is how we use our logo. This is how we use our logo on a black background. This is how we use our logo on a photo background. And then a lot of people have a page that says, don't stretch the logo, don't change the colour, don't do this. And I don't want to put, I don't ever like putting those in because I don't want to give people ideas. <laughs> it's terrible, doesn't it? I don't want to give people ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want to give people ideas, but you also, uh, you, you want to uh, make sure that they don't get this. If they have these ideas, they don't not going to do it. Yeah, uh, exactly. because sometimes it's it's not it's not super clear. Sometimes you have a style guide, and you know it says don't put uh, the logo, let's say on a on a on an image background, or don't change the colors. Uh, yeah, no, I see. Someone point. may say, hey, maybe maybe we can just change the color. You know, develop like a secondary yeah. color palette because it looks nice for this kind of picture that we have now. Yeah. Kind of oh, no, I totally see your point. So what I usually do in that case is I'll build a grid on a page that will have, you know, here's the positive logo, the negative logo, the black, the mono logo, and whatever. And then on the other axis, it'll say for on black, on white, on light colors, on dark colors, on photos, on dark, on busy photos with patterns. And I'll, I will you know, fill those blanks in with which logo is allowed where or which logo you put where. Because sometimes... So you you exhaust all the possibilities, right? And you yeah. Say, so you, allow, okay. you tell what people you're allowed to do and that way they, they can't say, all right, well, if I've got this photo background, can I use a coloured one? And you look at it and it's just, no, you can't. That's an interesting way. So you just basically think about all the ideas people may have about using that logo... Yeah, ideally. And the thing is, it's not, it's not because I'm trying to necessarily stop trying to people do this. The whole, the, one of the, the main idea of brand guidelines is to help the people next, who are next on the ne in the next stage. It's to help them get stuff done yeah. faster. To make their decision fast, yeah. Well, it's not, it's, it's not to try and take their decision-making power away. It's just to say, look, make your life easier and follow this. Yeah, these are just some criteria because otherwise if you don't have a criteria, you don't know how to judge if it's good or not and you're going to end up, you know, juggling between different concepts and you don't really know how to judge them. Yeah. But if you have some and rules, then, then you know, okay, this might be, you know, more appropriate to do and, and the other ideas just suck. And absolutely. That. That's absolutely right. And, you know, people, I mean, I've done, obviously, I've done a lot of design that sucks. Everybody has. But when I've worked out what the system is to do stuff with what I'm doing, I'm doing a job at the moment for someone, I'm having to write a system. And so that I test that system out so that I know, you know, why we don't put the type here, why we only put it in two of the corners, might be top left, bottom right. The logo has to be this size. It can't, you know, any kind of associated other brand logos can't be bigger. You know, there's a whole lot of really basic rules, but it's just, you know, I don't just go, there you go. I actually, you know, I work out, you know, if I'm, if I'm laying something out, I will lay it out, you know, 10 or 15 times. And when I've done that to try and when I've found out what looks best, I will 
reverse engineer and work out the maths of you know how big this has to be in relation to the page or the space so ultimately what it means is that if you follow those guides and that sequence you will get something that looks on brand and the really crucial thing that I always do because you know I, I can guideline the hell out of something and it may not always look perfect so at the end you always have to give the designers an option to tweak it so it means that you know, if it doesn't, if if it's pretty much right, but it doesn't, there's something not right about it. Just change it so it looks right, because the only people that are going to know are you, and maybe your account director, account manager. No one's going to know. Nobody in the wider public's going to know. No one's even going to notice that. You know, designers, we notice things that nobody else ever sees. And a great um, example of that is uh, if you teach one of your friends to recognize bad kerning on shop signs, they will never forgive you. <laughs> so, you know. Sometimes people don't notice, but I think good design is about, is about that, actually. If you don't notice that, it's, yeah. just, it's just that, and, and, and you don't really think about this, right? No, you're absolutely right. I was actually thinking about this the other night when I was thinking, you know, we, after we messaged, and I thought, you know, one of the great things about design system is is that you notice them the first time and then you stop noticing them. I mean, you, you know, I can always see the London Underground logo in the street if there's a station up ahead, but the whole point about the design system for anything is it's meant to be unnoticeable. It's meant to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's meant to be seamless. So yeah, to provide a seamless experience, right? So yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, it's, and one of the... You know, if someone says to me, oh, yeah, I didn't notice that sign, it's like, well, that's okay. I, I, I'm kind of pleased that you didn't notice the sign. So, yeah, so um, everything's meant to be seamless. And the other thing that I would always try to say to, to um, the client is, you know, and this comes back to, you know, people not screwing around with your brand, is don't, don't mess with your brand for two years when you've brought it out. So, because you need to have time for the public and, you know, people who are using it, creating stuff out of it, and people who are using it as end users to be able to understand it by seeing it everywhere. So, if you, say, for example, God, what bad example can I use? So, if, say, for example, you saw Holiday Inn had changed their logo, and yeah. then, like, five months later, you saw it had changed again, and you'd be going, I don't get that. Why? Is it a different... Is it a new company? Is it yeah, still yeah, yeah, a strong message to the yeah. consumers? Well, yeah, it says you. It says your brand's weak, but it also says. I mean, look at look at the Gap the other year. They they took that logo away straight away, which I don't think they should have. I think well, people are a bit sensitive about it. But if you change your brand to do but to be something new, or if you're introducing a completely new brand, there is no point. You know screwing around with it because if in six months you've got a, a new design or new colours or new, you know, swishy font or whatever, everybody has to relearn that and they just think, yeah, I don't trust this brand. And that's it. It, it all comes down to trust. And, and that's what, like I was saying before, that if you have your design being consistent and, you know, not necessarily nailed down, it should be flexible, but it should be trustworthy and that's because the tr more trustworthy your brand is 
you know, the the more people are going to, people are going to, there's going to be more uptake, put that way, and more trust and, and more business. It's pretty much all it comes down to. You just have to make it easier for other people to, to understand and to work with, and you've got to engender trust. Job done. So great identity systems needs to be simple, consistent, but designing one is, is not simple. Uh, it's definitely not, right? It takes a lot of effort. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and it takes a lot of sketching and brainstorming and, and trying different ideas and then uh, revising those designs to get to that great concept. Yeah. To and, design and I, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think that everybody who's worked on a brand in cre- and brand, brand creation will know that there's the point where you have a page full of sketches with all different shapes and all different fonts and stuff, and eventually you kind of go, oh, that's it. I've cracked it. I've got it. And then it might be something really simple or it might be just a letter but has a particular, you know, the, the edge of it is cut a particular way or there's a slight overlay or it's just, you know, the simplest, the simplest and most memorable brands I think of, you know, I think of the best, and, and if I'm doing and if I'm doing design work, I always strive for simplicity. And at the same time, you can ha- you've got all those you know those fashion brands who have all in the last few years, Burberry for example, they've all just basically done a a variation on Gotham. Yeah. You know, and it all it, it just all looks the same, and and yeah, they all look like fashion. They brands. all look alike. That's yeah, right. they all look like high-end brands, but they're all the same. And it's just really, it's dull. And it basically says, it says, you know, if all those brands, if all their brands look the same, what does it say about their clothes? So anyway, yeah. my, my point being that, you know, you can, have, you can have the world's simplest brand, but as long as you've got to that stage, you know, as long as people understand it. I mean, okay, here's a really good example. The first Uber logo was that kind of enclosed U. Actually, I wanted to ask you this question. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. The second Uber one looked like, uh, you know, one of those circular farms from the air. And I didn't, I had no idea what that was about. And now they've just put yeah, me Uber. I mean, I've, I don't use Uber, so I don't tend to, um, I don't tend to, you know, take notice of it. But I saw that and I just went, I don't even know what that's about. So yeah, I just think that was too complex, and yeah, it just just too complex. And those patterns, right? They they had some kind of pattern. Did they? Do you remember that uh, Uber? Oh, no. Let me just look this up. Sorry. Oh, they have now now they've got their super plain font with the capital U with the tail on it. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? You're talking about uh, simplicity. Uh, well, it's just it. It's super simple, right? What it's do, super can simple, you, but can it's you, also it's also it kind of simple? the same as the Google thing, where they. I mean, admittedly, their logo was pretty dated, and the new one they did with the multicolors, beautiful. But then everybody else, like I think Airbnb have started. Everybody's just kind of gone plain serif or plain sans serif, sans and it's serif, uh, yeah. yeah, it's dull, and it's it's you know, and it's that what's the word for it? Blanding. There's been a lot of blending, and I think oh, blending, yeah. I think <laughs> not that, blending, but blending. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, 
every obviously everything runs in cycles, and I think what's going to happen soon is that people are going to start rejecting that. And I think, I mean, apart from things like there's no italicised type, bold italicised uppercase type. So that's what I've been trying to do for for a while. And you know, there's things go in things go in, you know, fashions. You know, everybody started to do gradients or you know write engagement or blockchain or whatever the new word is this week. So yeah, I mean, but blanding is just, you know, the most recent example. And it's, I think it's a function of partly because app building is so restricted by, was originally restricted just by Apple's, the pieces you could use. And because all design now can't be just for, all web design can't just be for regular browsers. It's got to be for handheld. It's got to be for handheld, held onto the, different orientations sideways. So all the design that ha has happened that's big in the last few years just ends up looking like Fisher-Price. And, you know, and you look at the Apple design for uh, iTunes and so forth, and it's just got, you know, very big, bold words at the top. And there's yeah. just, there's yeah. just seems to be, it feels like there's no subtlety about it, but at the same time, it's because it's so user experience driven. Yes, and yeah. we just have to suck it up because that's just how it's going to be for a bit. And that's okay. So, so going back to the Uber logo, so what, what what do you actually think about the most recent rebrand um, uh, of Uber? Do you think it's, it, so you said it's too simple and, and it's too blunt and... Uh, no, it's not too yeah. simple at all because it's not my place to say. And, I, and I, you know what I mean by that. If they want to do it that way, I mean, they're a huge brand. They were... I hate to use this word, disruptive. And they've really cornered that market good on them. But I think that they could probably afford to take more risks. I don't think it's particularly, you know, great. And I don't think it's particularly distinctive. But you know what? My opinion is worth nothing, like everybody else's opinion. Because yeah. you know, it, it's their brand. And, you know, if, as long as everybody knows what their brand looks like, that's great, but at the same yeah. time, it looks like a whole lot of other stuff as well. But because it says Uber, we know it's Uber. I mean, it's not like yeah, it's because they already own the word, right? So this is just yeah. a real word taken out of a dictionary, right? Uber Uber means excellent. Or means over in German. Oh, oh yeah, um, that's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uber, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like a superior, a super taxi. Uh, and they already own the world, so uh, uh, people people know them. So when, whenever you say Uber, I think the the reason behind this rebrand was to actually they went back from or they went uh, away from all caps to title case. Yeah. Uh, to make it like, more approachable and less bravado. Um, so that was the explanation, as I remember. You know. Um, well, it's it, it's friendly. And in the same way that if yeah. you go to um, any of the supermarkets in England, they they all have a, a version of a font. They, it's all they're all their fonts are different, but they're all um, they're all sans serif, but they've kind of got slightly kick serifs to make them kind of vaguely, you know, English countryside friendly, approachable, and not so not so rigidly sans serif. And if you look at the one for Tesco, Morrison's, Sainsbury's, all the 
all the supermarkets here have uh, the same variation on on fonts, and it's to engender that kind of familiarity and friendliness. And I think that you know that's exactly what Uber's done, and same with Google, and same with Airbnb, and whoever else has done it. But it, you know, we we are in an age where all you need to do, you know, it's all, it's the same as always. All you need to do is look at a brand once. And it doesn't matter if you – you don't ever have to read it again. So if it's something like, you know, McDonald's or Coca-Cola, you don't need to read that stuff over and over. Yeah. With these brands, every time you see the brand, you have to read it because that's all the, that's all the brand is. And that's – you know, and that really works. But at the same time, if their logo was, you know, something else, if it was just like a, a slash – a white slash with a red dot, for example, you would know after seeing it a few times it was Uber. In the same way that you see AXA, they have the red slash and yeah. uh, Commerce or Bank, Deutsche, that square. Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm looking for, yeah, Deutsche Bank. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm not a big fan of that stuff. I just think it's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, so as we as we are approaching the, the end of, of uh, this episode, what are the tips that you would give to people and some perhaps some contact information to you uh, if anyone wants to uh, find out more about what you do and, and see some of your work and, you know, maybe uh, have a project for you? And, oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah, okay, so my website... How, how, can, how to contact you? Okay, my website is brailsford.info, which is B-R-A-I-L-S-F-O-R-D. But you can just type in Rob Brailsford into Google. It'll find it, obviously. And uh, all my, my, a lot of my work's on there. I'm, I'm really eager to investigate new projects at the moment. I'm, You're open to new projects? I'm totally today. open to opportunities. I, I, okay. I've, been, I've been, especially because I've been doing brand guidelines for so long, I love doing them, but I really just would like to do some more, you know, bigger design. And especially if any uh, anybody wants to employ me to do airline branding, I'm totally up for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, the other thing that I uh, that I quite often do is I um I don't mentor officially, but I I I'm, every young designer that I know, I end up kind of helping them how to, you know, this is how you do stuff, because the I think that one of the problems with being a new designer is that they're so forced into doing only digital that they, and because everybody has to be able to do digital and print and be able to write and everything, there's not, the learning curve is a lot steeper these days. So I end up, uh, you know, talking to people and going, yeah, I can help you work this out. I'm kind of advertising myself as a mentor, but I'm not meaning to be. You might want to cut that bit out. <laughs> Sorry, you, can you cut that bit out? Sorry, Eric. <laughs> uh, it's not a problem. So, so you you do mentor some junior designers, right? Oh yeah. Um, look, I, because uh, I've been because I've been. Find you or are you, are you just give some kind of? Uh, no, I, I'll tell you. Um, I work at a lot of different places because I freelance, and wherever I go, there's always junior designers, and invariably someone will say. Does anybody know how to put a gradient on some type, live type in Illustrator? 
and I'll say, yeah, I know that. I'll teach you. <laughs> and so I end up yeah. doing that quite a lot because I'm because I'm you know the always the oldest person in the room, except for the boss. Uh, I, I always end up helping junior designers. You know, teach them how to do stuff. It's great. I love doing that. I'm from a family of teachers, and yeah. so I love. You know, I'm really, really happy to share knowledge because that's what it's for. There's no point, you know, holding on to knowledge and just keeping it to yourself because, you know, I'm going to die someday. Somebody else needs that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that's the point also of this, of this interview and this podcast to, you know, help people understand and and just give give some value. Uh, so uh, just to sum up, uh, some of the tips, like uh, three tips of uh, for. Uh, developing style guides for um, smaller businesses, you know, and startups. Why is this so important? Why you shouldn't postpone this, you know, and just not focusing only on the logo, but it, also thinking as a whole, you know, about the whole identity system and uh, the kind of image you want to project and the necessary, w what are the key elements of your first style guide that you should, you must have? Okay, so first of all, I would say it's a big world out there and everybody else has got a startup. So the better you can get your first design happening, the, the better it is for you. And, uh, uh, you know, especially if you're not really experienced in design, you've got, got someone else to do it, you might want to work out what it is that you need to go in your style guide initially. And I know that sounds obvious, but it's true. So the main things that you really need are you need your colours, you need some, if you're going to use imagery or images, you need to define what your images are going to look like. For example, are they going to be stock photos? Are they going to be people looking wistfully into the distance? Is it going to be, you know, a, basically a Benetton advert or, you know, you've got to watch your audience Next of all, you need to have work out what your fonts are. And a great source of fonts, obviously, is Google fonts because they're all free and you can use them on the web and in your apps as well. I think yeah. um, you need to work out what kind of how, how, where your brand's going to appear. Is it going to appear only on an app? Is it going to appear on business cards? Is it going to appear on digital adverts, is it going to appear in ex as exhibition stands, that kind of stuff. You need to work out if the people using your brand are going to be highly paid professionals or your mates or, you know, your, your kids. You know, if your kids are able to use your brand and make it look like your brand by using it, you know, in Photoshop or something, brilliant you know simplicity is the key and just you, you just have to know what you just have to know what you're doing and you don't always know what you're doing until you've gone on an exploratory so i would say always go on an exploratory <laughs> but yeah, yeah you just you know you need to have the basics like your fonts and colors and all that kind of stuff but you also need to know what you're going to be using them on and once you've learned that you can you know, you can look at the design you've done and say, how can I make this better? How can I make this simpler? How can I make this better for the next person on yeah. the, art, the artwork? How can I get rid of the things? What is not necessary 
what can we remove, right, to achieve? Yeah, and and you'll often find that you know you've got something in your style guide, and you just that's awful. I hate that font. That sucks. That color's awful. Get rid of it. You know, and in you know because less is more. You might want to, like Lufthansa did. You might want to take it from being you know blue, dark blue, and yellow, and just go. Let's just have a blue. Yeah. It's quite simple. You just got to work out what you want and make sure it works for everybody else. But you yeah. ultimately have to be happy with it yourself. Of yeah. course. So you I'm need talking, to know. Who, talking in circles. So you need to know who you are designing for your audience. You need to know where this design, the environment, when is gonna, when the logo is gonna show up on what kind of applications, right? Is it digital, print, signage? Um, so different environments, and so the key elements you need to specify on colors you're going to use on typography and uh, photography style or uh, illustrations or things like that, that some additional elements that are going to complement uh, yeah. the whole system. Yeah, exactly. And once you, I mean, that stuff's the basic stuff. You know, there's always going to be some stuff that you, you know, you might need to do some UX. You might not need to do some UX. Yeah, and like the more advanced stuff is doing. just you do building a grid and building a more precise layouts, you know, oh, for, yeah. for different kind of things, templates, you know, PowerPoint presentations and, you know, different types of pages you can build and, yeah, that's true. Uh, and should you, you position know, I, the elements and so on, right? So that's more yeah, advanced exactly. stuff. And at the same time, you know, there is. I've done. So, I'd wrote some guidelines a couple of years ago, and all they were were about the feel of the brand. There was no design guidelines. You didn't have. To, it said these are the kind of photos we use. This is the font we use, and this is one of the little logos we use. It didn't tell you where to put anything, how to do anything. It just said, you know, this is what the people who use our brand. The customers, this is what they're like. They go and grab life. They go and have fun. You know, they, they individuals, they, you know, they want to go out and dance upside down, hanging off a tree at three in the morning. It just told you that kind of stuff, but it didn't tell you how to design anything. And that was such a relief. And on the other hand, there are brand guidelines I've done, which only, uh, you know, this is how you have to design stuff, not how it feels. So you just got to find out what's right for you. Okay, thank you for your time. It was really interesting. Uh, hey, thank you so much. So this is it for today's episode and make sure to go and check out Rob's website and follow him on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebekdesign.com forward slash podcast forward slash one. So thanks for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from ebekdesign.com.